This is Faster, a podcast by Flow Cycling. In each episode, we interview industry experts to educate you, challenge you, and even change the way you train so you become faster. When we're not creating this podcast, we're working on other ways to make you faster. At Flow, we design and manufacture some of the world's fastest cycling wheels that we sell consumer direct to keep more money in your pockets. As a special thank you for listening to Faster, we wanted to offer you 20% off your next purchase. Simply use coupon code PODCAST in all capital letters at checkout. Your purchase will also support our Give Back initiatives. 1% of all sales supports our Bike for a Kid program, where we provide bikes and helmets for kids in need. We also plant one tree for every wheel we ship as a thank you to our planet. Enjoy the show. Hey, welcome back to Faster. Uh, this is John Thornham, your host. I am getting back from a trip that I did recently out to Kona, Hawaii. I was out there, and one of the things I went out there for was to look at the race course for the upcoming 70.3 uh, Ironman Hawaii that's out there, and then eventually the World Championship course uh, that happens in October of this year. This year, it's only going to be the women, uh, which is an interesting change for, for the sport, um, but what I wanted to talk about was the course and thinking about wheels, thinking about tires, thinking about tire pressure and a number of different things when it comes to getting ready for this race. I have been very, very fortunate over the years to have made, I think, eight trips out to Kona, um, most of those for the World Championship race. And it's uh, if, you've, if you've ever been uh, and you've ever gone to the midnight finish, you'll understand what I'm saying. It's one of the coolest moments, I believe, in sport to see that midnight finish. And if you're going out there for the first time, I definitely recommend uh, checking that out. It's a very, very cool experience to see that and to be a part of that. One thing that I have done over the years of going out there is I have actually studied things on that course. We've had our um, our data logger out there. We've looked at a number of different things with that course. And uh, I have some things that I want to talk about. First thing that I really want to cover is just the idea of wheel selection. Now, most of the time when you are looking at selecting wheels for any Ironman course, we get a lot of questions regarding, uh, you know, do I pick a disc wheel on this course? You know, I hear there's some elevation and there's some certain things like that. So maybe I need, I need a lighter set of wheels. And 99% of the time, what you end up telling people is you want the deepest wheel set that you can handle. Um, the elevation doesn't matter because aerodynamics is more important. So we did a study years and years and years ago. The most um, intense elevation change in any Ironman course is a course called Savage Man. It's uh, it's an extreme uh, Ironman for sure. And we looked at a study that took a theoretically heavy set of, or light set of wheels that were not aerodynamic. And then we took our original flow wheels, which were made of uh, the aluminum carbon builds. They were, they were heavy uh, compared to today's standards, especially with the stuff that we make now with the AS line. It's over a pound lighter uh, per set. And we looked at the aerodynamics of that, and we, took, we calculated the entire speed with a, a friend of ours uh, named Brian Cooper, who's a math whiz in this space. And what we found was even the, the theoretically light set of wheels, I think it was 1,000 grams that we used for the set of wheels, um, the aero set beat it uh, by a lot, by a long shot. The only course that we could actually come up with that made any difference was the uh, Alpe d'Huez. And I think it was by like a few seconds that the light set beat it. But today, because we make lighter wheels, uh, even even those uh, theoretically light set of wheels get, get swamped these days with the aero light stuff. So aerodynamics is very, very important. So in most cases, going back to what I'm trying to say is 
is we basically tell people, just pick the, the deepest set that you can handle. Even from a wind perspective, most people think that they need to size down on most courses. They think that the wind blows straight across the road. And what we know from all of our aero studies uh, and, and on-road studies is that on average, you see wind in the, in the range from, you know, zero to 10 degrees of yaw, meaning if, if, you know, zero is wind hitting you in the face and 10 degrees would be off to your left a little bit on one side, minus 10, and then plus 10, maybe off to your right in, in some situations. So even though people think the wind's hitting them on the side, it really doesn't. Now, what's very, very, very unique about Kona is that it actually, in a place called Javi, which is a town, uh, kind of where the turnaround is, you go up this big hill, it is extremely windy up there, and it actually does blow straight across the road. Um, I shot a video when I was out there, and I actually kept the, the audio and everything the same. You can actually, at the end, you don't really hear me all that well. If you want to check the video out, I'll have uh, some notes in the in the show notes here. It's on our YouTube channel. Um, but you can see in the background, there's like these palm trees and they're literally blowing sideways and you can see how strong the wind is up there. It's also known to be extremely gusty up there. So what you get is, as you go through, there are trees and houses and and certain sections where you kind of come out in these pockets and then the wind comes, um, screaming across again and you just get, you get these bursts of wind. I've always said that wind is the worst when it's, when it's not consistent. If you have a consistent wind, that's you know, steady speed from the same angle, you can adjust. Your body will sort of figure it out. Uh, in most cases, you can either, you know, lean into it a bit, you kind of steer into the wind. But when you get it sporadic and you get hit with these gusts, that's when things get really kind of crazy. The other thing about the wind up there is that it is so strong that it will actually move you sideways. I've got friends that have raced this race and I've just, you know, they've told me they've moved two or three feet sideways when these strong gusts come in. So, it is one of the only races in the world um, where a disc wheel is illegal, and it's for that reason. Most of the time, a deeper rear wheel actually helps stabilize the bike. It has to do with a thing called center of pressure. So center of pressure is kind of like, a, if you think of it like a seesaw, like at a kid's park, you have a heavy person on one side and a light person on the other. The heavy person weighs down the the um, the seesaw, so they go down. Uh, if you have a deeper wheel on the rear, it actually moves some of the pressure from the wind to the rear, which takes it off the steering axis, the front wheel, because that, that can turn. The rear wheel is fixed, so it, it helps stabilize the bike. But in this case, it's just it's just not true. I mean, you just have to be very, very careful with the wind out there. It is actually one of the races, too, that we actually have people uh, consider a shallower front wheel, because if you have to come out of the bars for any reason, TT bars is where you are the most arrow, your body is the biggest drag component on the bike. What you get is uh, you get a significant loss of speed. So sizing down on a front wheel, maybe from a 64 to a 49 or from a you know 77 AS down to a 64, over an Ironman, it's really probably going to be in, if you were to stay down on both, maybe at the most 30 seconds. But if you come out of the bars for a prolonged period of time, I mean, you're going to blow way more than that time because, you're, again, your body is that biggest right component. So it's something that you want to consider sizing down. Every year, it never fails. We go out there and we end up bumping into a bunch of athletes. We have our athlete party out there every year. And we talk to somebody and they say, hey, you didn't bring a 49 or you didn't bring a shallower wheel. Yeah, I'm really thinking about changing this out last minute. So if you're going to do this race, it is a once-in-a-lifetime experience for most people. And you want to have your best day out there. Um and it gets so hot out there later in the day, you just kind of want to set yourself up as much as possible. And like I've always said, part of wheel selection is the mental component of it. You need to be mentally comfortable with your gear. You don't want your heart racing. You don't want uh, you know, your heart rate going up because you're worried or nervous or anxious about the gear that you're on because you just can't handle it up in a place like Javi. So 
Uh, definitely something to consider um, when you're thinking about that. Uh, so you want to probably size down, and I've definitely you're not taking your disc over there to Ironman. Another thing that is kind of an unknown for most people the first time that they go out there, if you look at the road conditions themselves, when you start to think about it from a rolling res- re- resistance perspective, is that the road surface conditions are actually really good out in Hawaii, out in Kona. Uh, in town, uh, when you come out of the swim and down at the pier uh, in T1, as you move through town, uh, roads are great, very smooth. Even on the Queen K, they're very smooth. I've driven the course and, and rode a chunk of the course over the years all the way out to Javi and taken a look. The pavement's great. Um, the issue that you have out there is that there is a lot of steel belted radial. So a tire, like a car tire, uh, part of its structure is this steel belt that is, is a tire breaks or explodes. Parts of that's like shrapnel kind of go out and they're all over the road. And I, I remember my first couple of years out there in Kona, I would go out and I would go for these rides and I'd get a flat, put a tube back in, i get immediately get another flat. And there's these small little pieces of, of metal that can get embedded in the tire and is, and you don't see them until you really, really look in it with like a, uh, like kind of like a fine tuned look or fine grain look at the tire. And sometimes what happens is under pressure, the tube um, will push into the tire and it, it just allows that metal that's already in the rubber just to poke out enough to, to puncture a tube. And so I remember I would, I would go through and I would pull out these pieces of steel belted radial. So because of that situation, what a lot of people end up doing is they go to something like a continental gator skin. A gator skin is a tire that is known to be extremely durable, very, very tough, uh, and it prevents a lot of flats. I know in Texas they have a, a bunch of thorns in certain parts of the south. They Sometimes people swear by gator skins because they help them from a puncture perspective. But what's horrible about a gator skin is its rolling resistance values. Now, the studies that we've done on rolling resistance, and there's other people that have you know verified this as well, if you were to compare it to something like a Continental GP5000, uh, over an Ironman, you are talking about losing eight minutes uh, over your bike time, which in some situations means a first place finish to a 10th place finish. Like eight minutes is a massive time. So it's really not the best solution for somebody when they're out there. You really have to be careful about um, the tire that you're selecting uh, to make sure that you're not hurting yourself to try and help yourself. So you're trying to prevent a flat, but you're ending up hurting yourself so much that you know you may not get a flat. And even if you were to get a flat, it probably would take you less than eight minutes to change it. So just be very, very careful there. What we recommend now today, because of the technology of tires and how much the, uh, things have advanced, especially in Kona, is getting yourself a tubeless tire. Now, tubeless uh, out there in a space like that is sort of the perfect uh, place for these small little punctures. Tubeless is set up to basically seal any of those punctures, and you're not going to get any small little piece of metal. Even if you get a small piece of metal in your tire, you may not even be need, uh, require the sealant that's in there to seal anything. But what that small piece of metal is doing is it's just kind of sitting in the tire. It's not puncturing the tube. So you're able to sort of ride with all these little thorns, I guess, or, or pieces of spiky metal in there without really causing yourself an issue. Now, a Continental GP5000, which is uh, is our tire of choice, uh, hands down the best tire we've, we've tested for a number of reasons, great rolling resistance, great aerodynamics, and great durability. Um, that comes in a, a tubeless version. There's the, the now the new 5000... STR, which is a great tire. They just released the TT as well. 
Now, I've not had that one in the wind tunnel, but from everything that I'm hearing, great rolling resistance and great aerodynamics. I believe the tread pattern is the same, so it should perform aerodynamically very, very similar. Um, so if you're using that tire and you get it set up from a tubeless perspective, uh, you're, you're, you're gr great to go. Everything is good. Now, all of our wheels were designed around, the AS line was designed around a 28 mil tire in that GP5000. So aerodynamically, it's, it's excellent. Um, very, very, very fast. And, you know, all of our, we have tubeless stuff. So if you buy the wheels from us, you end up getting um, tubeless valves that are cut specifically to the depth. And not everyone at this point has converted the tubeless. I get that. You know, for years, uh, mountain bike was kind of in the same category. But now everyone, if you're riding mountain bikes, if you don't have tubeless mountain bikes, I kind of don't know what you're doing at this point. And I believe at some point, Try and Road will eventually go to that, um, go that same way. I've always said that, you know, you have to be ready for tubeless. Uh, we have a full guide called, it's called our ultimate tubeless guide. It kind of walks through everything, how to set the tires up, how to install the rim tape, um, how to get the tires on, how to seat them, how to do, you know, every step that you need to get yourself set up. So if you are going to do a big, important race like this, I do highly recommend taking some time, maybe a few months in, ahead of, uh, in advance, get yourself set up, learn about tubeless, get it set up. And once you go and you, once you can, you commit to it, I've always said you never go back. So, uh, very, very, uh, beneficial if you're going to go do this race. So you just don't really have to think about or worry about your tires. Um, pressures out in Kona, uh, is something that we also need to talk about because it is known to be extremely hot. The sun is powerful out there. Uh, especially in an area called the energy lab, which is actually te technically part of the run, but you kind of ride right by it. And later in the day, uh, which is a lot of time that most athletes head out that way. Now, if you're doing the 70.3, you start from a place called a Fairmont, which is a, one of the resorts out there. And that's further up the road, further up the Queen K. You actually swim in their uh, little bay beach area, which is a very cool spot. if you've ever been there, it's a beautiful spot. And then the bike comes right out and you go up to Javi. So you still hit that wind section. And if you're doing the world championship, you start down in, in a town called, uh, in Kona, right in the town, right on uh, Ali drive. So you just miss that first section of the queen K when you're on the bike. But from a, from a heat perspective, it's, it's very, very similar. So one thing, and we talked about this previously when we talked about our, our, the course preview out in Miami on the clash for clash Miami, it gets so hot, uh, you in transition, if you've ever gone through, you'll hear people's tires like popping, you know, see tubeless sealant everywhere. And the big reason for that is that people sort of set their tires up uh, before they get out in the heat. So what people don't think about is if you have a tire pressure that's, let's say, set at 100 PSI, which in this day and age is way too high anyway, people don't understand that today we need lower tire pressures. So let's assume, worst case, that somebody puts a 28 mil tire on their, on their bike and then they set it up tubeless or with a tube and then they t pump it up to 120, which is just way, way, way too high. So every time that you increase your tire size, you want to decrease your tire pressure uh, due to a thing called casing tension. And there's a whole there's a whole calculation about that. We actually have another podcast. If you want to learn about that, we've got it on our blog. We've got it all over the place. If it, we can talk about that, but the rule of thumb that you need to know is that you need to downsize. So, but let's assume that you didn't. Then you go out into transition, and let's say you pumped up in in your hotel room, which is probably 72 degrees, so it's pretty moderately cool. Then you take your bike out and you go to transition and you put it in transition early in the morning and then it heats up to like 105 degrees throughout the day. Well, for every 10 degrees of tire uh, or uh, temperature that you increase, you're going to increase your tire pressure by about 2%. So 
it just keeps getting hotter and hotter and hotter. And when you're in the direct sunlight like that, it may actually be warmer than, so there's surface temperature and then there's air temperature. So surface temperature is generally always hotter than what you would see on, um, in the air. So it's, it's even worse. So you may get up to like 130. So you're looking at a 60 degree jump, which is, what is that? Six times. So about 12% increase in pressure. So what happens is you, it, it, the tire pressure just gets way, way too high and you get a pop tube or you get uh, a t- an explosion. So what we always recommend is that you need to consider what your surface temperature is going to be, where you're going to be, whatever the road is going to be. Cause as you ride throughout the day, your tires are going to be con- making continual contact with that surface. So that's obviously going to have an impact. Now there's a cooling effect as the tire moves through the air and there's a number of other things that happen. And yes, there's a whole number of, of things. There's the air temperature, like I say, and then the ground temperature. So you kind of have a, have a blend in there between. But what we recommend doing is if you can get out and you can get your tires set up with a pressure that is similar to what your race conditions are going to be. So that doesn't mean your tires aren't warmed up, you're in your hotel room, it's 72 degrees and you air up at what your ideal race temperature is. So we have uh, tire pressure charts on our website. We have also our flow air gauge and all that sort of stuff. If you need like, that's for very accurate tire pressures. If you want to do that, you can check that, that, uh, that tool out it's very cool it's just getting released actually here um we'll be shipping our first units probably in the next couple weeks so we're excited about that and it helps uh, set up your tire pressure but the protocol that we use we did a huge on-road study years ago with uh unv unlv when we were designing these wheels to to study on-road rolling resistance and one of the things that we learned was getting out and doing a lapse like doing warm-up laps with your tires um, before you set up your pressure, a warms the rubber up. It increases the sort of internal, um, temperature. And then it also gets the tire in contact with the road, which gets you closer to the road surface temperature and, and a combination of the air temperature. So once your tires are warmed up, then you can set your pressure. And then that gets you as close to, um, the temperature that you're going to be racing at. Now, if you put your bike in transition, is it going to cool down? Yes. If it's in some situations, if it's overnight, it'll cool down. But considering you have a good tubeless seal and a tire seal and that you're not losing like a ton of pressure overnight because you don't have a leak, what happens is the next day is when you get on the bike and everything starts to warm up, that pressure increases back to what that ideal pressure is. So again, it's always better to be a little bit under than it is over on pressure because the minute you go over, your your rolling resistance goes up very, very, very quickly. If you're a bit under, you it's not... 100% ideal, but it's way better and you lose a lot less time um, if you're a bit under. So we always err on the side of being under uh, than we do over. So those are sort of my main tips uh, for Kona, anybody doing it. Um, The other thing I always say in Kona is if you've made it to Kona, just go have fun because it's like the best uh, of the best for any Ironman athlete. It's a magical place. Uh, get out there if you can a little bit early. I know not everyone has that luxury, but you can acclimatize, you can get out, you can see some of the amazing things. Um, there are amazing excursions out there too. You can go um, deep sea fishing, you can go uh, whale watching, or uh, there's a whale watching trip actually. There's dolphin trips, there's snorkeling, there's manta trips. It's just kind of one of those places that it's an amazing place. Um, I actually have a friend out there too, who has a, a business, a charter business. So if anybody ever wants to know a great place to go and would love to just get an uh, introduction to somebody who could help them and have an amazing experience out there, uh, I've been out with him several times and he does a wonderful job. So if anyone's going to Kona and they want to know 
um, somebody to get in contact with to have a great experience out there, let me know and I'll definitely uh, make the introduction and help set you guys up. If you guys are out there this year, uh, we believe we will be out in Kona this year with the change with the race. It's kind of one of those things we're trying to figure out where our best place to be is this year. And I wish this was not the case. Um, but we are definitely going to do our best to try and make it out there. If you want to talk through this, uh, please reach out. I would love to have a conversation with anybody. We do a wheel one-on-one on the site. You can book time with me and I would just love to help you set up for this race, uh, being what it is 70.3 or world championships and help you, uh, get set up for your day. Have the best day that you can out there and, um, just enjoy it. So if you guys are out there, uh, training, racing, uh, be kind of one another, uh, stay safe on the roads and we will talk to you soon. And the last thing I'm going to say is I always talk about walk points. So if you actually listen to the, ep- the advice on this episode and you set your pressures right and you think about wheel selection, we know we're talking about eight minutes at least. We're talking about a ton of time from an aero perspective too. So I'm going to probably go with 40 watts on this one because I think that would be a easy win if you uh, were in the wrong situation with bad tire pressures, bad tires, and bad aerodynamics. So stay safe out there, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Faster. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it. Leave a review or teach a friend what you learned today. For more great episodes on getting faster, subscribe to this podcast. While you're on your next ride, be kind to one another and ride safe.